I run a class. It's called Equanimity Through the Storm, and it's taking the Yoga Sutras and applying them to to what's happening in our lives. My daughter and I had always known we were going to run the course. We hadn't really anticipated running it during a pandemic. So none of us have ever done a pandemic before. I haven't, you haven't. I can safely say that none of us have done this before. These are truly, truly uncharted waters. Nobody has the answers, and I'm not quite positive that there are any answers. But what I'm finding is that old definitions of what practice means, and I'm not talking about online. I'm talking about what does practice mean? They no longer work for me. You know, I can't just measure my practice in terms of poses and series. I just can't. So we have practice that is sadhana, right? Practice that's sadhana, and that's the verb practice. That's what we do. Those are the exercises, the tools that we use. And they might be physical tools, like shapes that we make with our body. They might be mindful tools, like meditation. But our sadhana is more like the ritual that we do, that we repeat, but it, it doesn't make a practice. In fact, we can go through rituals for years and never have it be a practice because abhyasa is a practice. And when we talk about a yoga practice, it means that we are putting our effort into concentration and to focus to one point. It means that we've done it again and again and again with sincerity. That it's for you, that you do it for you, that you love it, that you enjoy it, that there's devotion, that there's joy, you know? Sincerity means it's genuine, it's true. And so if we're always following someone else, how, how can it always be true? If you're just following a sequence to the T, how can it be yours? How can it be sincere? It can't. Somebody asked in the class yesterday, like, what does devotion mean? Like, how do you put devotion to your practice? And it's really funny because we've gotten really good at the sadhana part. We've gotten really good at memorizing the steps and the tools and, and the how-tos and the what to do and not to do and what's right and what's wrong. But one of the things that I hope comes out of this is that our idea of practice becomes bigger and more spacious. Are we ready to open our minds to something bigger? To find meaning in new ways, in deeper ways? To explore who we are and why we're here? Are we ready to hold space for everything that's happening right now without going into acting, without trying to fix it or run from it or explain it or analyze it? Can we just be here and be with what's happening as it's happening? There's a story in the Old Testament with Moses that goes like this. You know, God told Moses to lead the people through the desert to the promised land. 
Moses is a good guy. He, he listens, gets a big group of people and starts through the desert, but they didn't have Google maps and God didn't tell him where he was going. And he ends up getting through the middle of the desert and he's lost. Not only is he lost, but he's got all these people following him and he has no food or water. And he's scared. No idea where he is, no idea where he's going, and no idea how he's going to take care of all of these people that are looking to him. And so he goes to God and he says, I'm running low on faith. I need just a little reassurance here. And I need more than just a burning bush, you know? I, I want to see your face. And Moses asks to see God's face. God's a compassionate type, so he knows that she knows that Moses needs a little something, something, but, but not the face. And so God leads Moses up to the mountain, sits him down on a rock, and covers his eyes. And when God takes away her hand, all Moses sees is God's back. Because that's how it works. God is beside us, the divine, whatever you want to call it, a greater force, a greater good is there with us in the darkness. But it's only when it's over do we ever recognize that presence, that divine presence. It's only after the darkness has passed, the light creeps in, that we look back in retrospect and we see that we were never alone. It feels like it. Often. But so many times in our lives, we've already had the experience. We've already been there and know it. Had times in our life where there was darkness. And in looking back, we realized there was purpose and meaning. We we're just too close to see. We can't see a process as it's happening, while it's happening, only after. So as we're in the space, the space of uncertainty, of darkness, know that you're not alone. Be with what is and trust that one day when you look back, you'll understand. Hi, it's Peg Mulqueen, and what you just heard was part of a Zoom talk I gave for Merchant City Yoga in Glasgow, where I was supposed to be this past week. I hope you've been enjoying these shorter broadcasts that we've been offering this past month, bits of hope and inspiration from various sources as a way to offer support and maybe some comfort through these trying times. 
And of course, to remind you, you're not alone. You have us. And that's why also, after our April session filled, Megan and I added another session of our online course, Equanimity Through the Storm. It begins May 8th. If you would like information on how to register, just visit ashtangadispatch.com. All the information's there. We hope you're taking good care of yourself, staying well and keeping faith through these uncertain times. Both Megan and I send you all our love. And if you need us, we're here for you. So please, please don't ever hesitate to reach out. And now a big thank you to Mark Pilly from arcsong.net, whose gorgeous music I leave you with now. Cut it loose.